Hello, and welcome back to Talk and Shop, the official podcast of the FSBU and Florida Flambeau. Um, we're doing something a little different today. So as usual, obviously, I'm Logan Grutchfield, the host of this podcast. But uh, today, instead of being joined by, you know, a member of another member of the FSBU or uh, a member of V89, the student radio station, I actually have Brett Nevitt on here with me. And um, for anybody who's not aware of Brett and his baseball coverage, um, I'd really urge you to check out what he does at um, at Tomahawk Nation. Um, Brett, how are you? How you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me on, Logan. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. So um, first, I just want to ask you, could you explain a little bit? I I know you're primarily focused on on baseball at Tomahawk Nation. You know, what is that? What does that kind of beat look like for you? You know, what's your kind of I'm sure your involvement with it will be really spiking once the season gets going here. But, um, you know, what's what's that been like for you? What do you what do you do specifically with that? Yeah, so I do all three sports, but baseball is like always what I've grown up doing. So baseball is like my favorite to cover. And, you know, not many people can cover it year round on the beat. So um, I really like to do it year round and, you know, cover the recruiting stuff and also fall ball and that stuff. So, you know, it's just um, it's long days sometimes for baseball. Um, you know, get there early for BP, two hours before, three-hour games can be slow sometimes, especially college baseball. But uh, I really like doing what I do at, at Tom Mock Nation, and, you know, baseball's always come easy to me. And so it's just a lot of fun to, to cover this baseball team, especially as well, because, you know, I always grew up an FSU fan, too. And, you know, I've known the program well for a while, and now getting to know coaches and players now, it's just a really fun program to be around. That's awesome. You know, I'm I'm sure you might feel the same way, you know, even though it's like, ah, oh, you know, you got to get there two, two and a half hours early before a game at times, you know, and sit and kind of watch stuff that, you know, there might not be a ton going on. You know, if you love what you're doing and you really enjoy it, you know, it, it doesn't feel like work. The, the other thing I wanted to ask you, could you just explain a little bit? I was reading through quite a bit of your pieces about, you know, just kind of your uh, days till FSU baseball countdown. Could you just explain, mm. you know, what, what your kind of idea was with that? You know, has that been a long standing thing or did you just kind of start that? Yeah. So I did that last year as well. That last year was the first year I did that. Um, you know, it was just, it was just an idea I came up with to, you know, write a short profile on every player, like the day of their number. Um, when you're like, so like today's 23 days till the season and, Reese Albert's number 23 so did a profile on Reese Albert uh last year I did every single player but this year we have a bigger roster because of COVID and stuff so I've just been doing um mostly the guys that are starters and key players but I try to profile as many guys as I can just to I guess one keep people up to date on how close we are to the season but also just to you know give them expectations for what every guy is going to bring to the table yeah no, that's awesome. You know, I, I always really enjoy, you know, writing those kind of player features a little and Maybe this is just my personal preference um, a little bit more than like game recaps, because you really get to know, you know, what makes these athletes tick. And, you know, you, you really kind of I think from a reader's perspective, learn a little bit more about 
the team and about the, you know, just about the game, quite frankly, you know, then you might reading about, you know, oh, Florida State beat Team XYZ, you know, seven to four today. Um, so, yeah. So, and so I'd like to get right into it. Um, I was looking at, so just kind of to familiarize myself with everything, um, I, I was just looking at FSU schedule this year, and I, I was extremely surprised. I mean, we know that the ACC is a pretty strong baseball conference, but I was, you know, just going through that that schedule, and I mean, depending on the poll that I was looking at, you know, whether it was uh, an early NCAA poll or the the Baseball America poll that just dropped a few days ago, um, it, it seemed like you know FSU had their work cut out for them. I mean, it seemed like either eight or nine ranked teams in the top 25, um, you know, for this season. And then obviously Florida, you know, that's a game that every fan is going to circle on their calendar. Florida's number one. And I'm sure they have a chip on their shoulder from last year, you know, having their stadium closed out with an FSU loss. But um, of those games or, you know, are there any other games on the schedule that you think fans should really be on the, on the lookout for this season? I'm sure there's quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So FSU's second ACC series at home against Virginia should be a good one. Um, Virginia's expected to have a lot of pitch in town this year and their weekend rotation is supposed to be really good. You know, they've kind of got a lot of veterans there. Like we, like Florida state has as well. And then Florida state's got a lot of tough road series this year in ACC play. Um, but on the flip side of that, Florida State has only one road non-conference game, so that's pretty favorable for them. And they did a good job of scheduling it. And you know, the only away one is the one at Florida. And I'm sure, I mean, like you said, I'm sure Florida will be revved up and ready to go this year against Florida State. But you know, playing at my at Miami and at at um Louisville are those are probably the two toughest series. Like those are probably the six toughest games you'll play all year, in my opinion, on the weekend. Um, I mean, there's just it's ACC is a really deep conference this year, in my opinion. And there's a lot of teams that could be really good. I mean, Georgia Tech could be good. Um, Clemson could be good. Uh, NC State, all those teams, they always hit. So, I mean, just Florida State's going to have to play well this year to to rack up the wins. And, you know, you also lose seven games or as of now on your regular season schedule. So it might be tough for them to crack that 40, 40 win mark this year just because of how the scheduling works out, but I, I still think they'll be in good position um, with, you know, strength of schedule and stuff like that to still have a good seating when, when postseason comes around. That's awesome. I mean, it, it definitely, you know, um, I'm sure we'll, we'll get into, you know, what FSU this season has to offer, but I, I'm glad to hear that it sounds like there's a lot of, a lot of good games, you know, for fans to watch this season. Um and, you know, it sounds like it'll be they'll really be putting FSU to the test. Now, uh, you talked a lot about just, you know, the pitching talent that FSU might face and that FSU uh, will need to have this season in order to be competitive, especially on a weekend series. So that kind of leads me pretty well into my next question, which is uh, obviously last year, you know, you had C.J. Van Eyck, you had uh, Shane Drohan, and they kind of seemed to be anchoring a lot of those weekend rotations. And then also you lost uh, Antonio Velez um, uh, as an undrafted free agent. Um, who do you think 
might uh, I would expect Connor Grady might fill in one of those uh, weekend rotation spots. Correct me if I'm wrong, but who who do you who do you anticipate? you know, in the starting rotation for Florida State this year? And who do you think might step up and take an expanded role? Yeah, so Parker Parker Messick is 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 my guy that I think um, will be the Friday night starter this year. That's I'm pretty sure he's a heavy favorite right now for that. And, you know, Parker last year was kind of the closer by the end of the year. And, you know, he finished out that year with a dominant outing at Florida. And um, Parker's a guy that will be – he won't throw as hard as he did last year as a closer, but he'll still be like 90-92 from the left side and a, a low slot that gives guys a tough time. And he's a strike th- thrower with three pitches, and he'll be efficient. And, you know, I don't think there will be much or any of a drop-off from Van Eyck to Messick just because, you know, I think Van Eyck might be a more talented guy, a guy that might have a, you know, he's going to be a higher draft pick probably, but – Parker's pretty much a bulldog on the mound and he's going to give you lots of innings and that's what you need on a Friday. And then, you know, Connor, I think Connor Grady is definitely in the mix and Connor, he's probably got the lead on a Sunday spot in my opinion, or maybe Saturday too, but I think they like him in the Sunday spot. And that other guy there that's competing with him for Sunday is probably Jack Anderson, who kind of has that same repertoire with a fastball slider changeup as Connor does. And then, Saturday is really a dogfight, I think, with three, between three guys. And um, first of all would be Bryce Hubbard. He was closer to start the year last year, but struggled kind of with his uh, mechanics. He just got a little um, flustered after first first game. You know, he struggled against with the blown save, but he has a lot of talent. And the staff is really high on him from the left side. And then other two guys are both two hard-thrown right-handed pitchers and Hunter Perdue and then Carson Montgomery, who's the highest rated pitcher commit to, to ever make it to campus of Florida State. So, you know, there's still a ton of a ton of talent there on that weekend and in the whole staff. But, you know, the one issue, the one thing you're worried about is just experience starting wise. That's the only mm-hmm. worry. But the, the talent is definitely there. It's just how ready are these guys to step into that role? And I think I think they'll be ready to go once the first weekend rolls around. Yeah, so that's that's a great uh, analysis there, Brett. Now I've got a just on the pitching front, I, I've got another couple questions for you. And um, like I was telling you earlier, um, baseball is one of the sports I've covered the least here at Florida State. So would you be maybe able to explain a little bit? You know, you're saying you were really talking about the Friday starter, the Saturday starter, the Sunday starter. Mm-hmm. You know, is there a substantial difference? in how, you know, if you're starting on, you know, game one, two, or three of a, a weekend series, is there substantial differences in how those guys would approach the game or in their kind of repertoires or individual talents? And then also about Carson Montgomery, I, I was just blown away reading about him, the, you know, just the <clears throat> hype that he had coming out of high school. And then, you know, the fact that he, he, he still came to Florida State, you know, do you have any insight into his situation? Yeah. So first off, I guess Friday, the, your Friday night start, you're going to want him to be the guy that you trust the most and you, you want him to get innings so that you don't have to go deep into your bullpen the first night of the weekend. You know, you still got you're still going to have most of your, the, the meat of your bullpen less the rest of the week. And, you know, I think Saturday this year they might go with, the, you know, 
a high upside guy that maybe won't give you as much as much innings, but you're going to have a lot of guys hopefully left after a good Friday night start. And then Sunday, you really just want a guy that, um, you know, kind of a level-headed guy that, um, you, you know, if you go into a rubber match where there's a lot of pressure on that rubber match where they're not going to be phased and they're just going to be ready to go. Um, yeah, Carson Montgomery. I talked to Carson shortly after the draft this year, and I, I got some insight on it just from other people as well. And it's just I think he wanted – I you know, all – the thing was that Carson was one of the he's one of the youngest kids in that draft. And mm-hmm. when Carson come when Carson comes out in three years, he can still be only 20 years old and have three years of ACC play under his belt. So I think he always thought of, of the draft as as kind of option one A and as Florida State as option one B. And he really he's been he was committed to Florida State for almost four years and it's it was his dream school, so he never thought of it as a as a lesser option than than as a, than as of going to the draft. And you know he just he just didn't get as much money and offers as he's wanted. So he said, you know, I'll just go to Florida State, get a degree, go play in ACC for three years, and you know it's a pretty good chance he's still going to be you know first rounder and even maybe a top ten pick in three like three years from now. My gosh, that's I mean that's fantastic to just have that kind of you know, flexibility, I would think as an 18 year old, you know, you know, you're looking at a high draft spot and option one, a option one B, I think that's a great job explaining it there. Um, but just, I'm just kind of blown away having those kind of options, you know, at, at that age and also having been committed to Florida state for such a long time. Um, I mean, that's, so I, I, the desire to come here, it sounds like was definitely there. Now, I do, you know, shifting away from the pitching conversation, um, I know there's a lot of guys returning in the field this year. Um, obviously, Elijah Cabell, Matt Nelson, Reese Albert, um, and uh, Nander DeSatis. Now, could you, um, and, and even Robbie Martin, I should add to that. I was reading through some of your profiles, and I spoke to Matt Nelson, actually, um, earlier this semester and it sounded like a lot of these guys had some really just you know um improvements in conditioning or or you know workout regimens or or whatever in the off season um and it you know i know uh uh coach mike martin jr uh me he was talking about like just the power uh improvements from matt nelson for example i mean do you have any insight into what some of these returning guys you know would there be any substantial changes in their game yeah so I think it was just you know with the extra time off a lot of guys looked at it and just said you know like what can I do different in this offseason with the extra time that I've never had before and um, you know some guys put on weight some guys dropped weight Um, Matt Nelson and Robbie Martin both dropped a good amount of weight Um, Nelly Nelly's always Nelly never had a, a bad body in my opinion, but sometimes behind the plate he'd be just slow on his feet and he wouldn't be able to get out and, and get the ball out with his. He just gets, um, I guess he gets just gets heavy on his feet sometimes behind the plate. But he's always had mm-hmm. a good arm. In this fall, he looked really a lot better behind the plate and much more quicker to second base on his throwdowns. And you know what he told me was he's just he's felt stronger than he ever has before. And you know he really didn't even expect it with dropping the weight, but just dropping the weight made made him even stronger. And then Robbie Martin also dropped weight. He's looked a lot better in the field uh, this fall. He, he looks like a major league outfielder now. And 
when he came in, he really was a designated hitter only, and he was kind of a liability in the field, but now he's a lot better there. Um, I'm thinking of oh, uh, Elijah Cabell added – he added weight, so um, I think he's up 25 pounds or something like that, and I've heard it's, it's basically all muscle, and, you know, he's starting to look like a, a middle linebacker out there in the baseball field, but Elijah's always been a, a, a kid that can hold his weight well, and he's still going to run well. So I don't think it will change his game much. I mean, he's a power hitter, and that's that's what he's going to do even more this year. That's that's awesome. So I'm I'm glad that, especially you just talking to Matt Nelson. I know he had a really kind of unique uh, fitness experience uh, this year. You know, getting to just you know catch bullpens for for major leaguers in the Tampa area, and um, really kind of from what he taught from talking to him just really kind of pushing himself to the limits of what he thought he was able to do. Now, I, I, I kind of want to just ask you a question here from your, to get some insight from you as a, um, you know, young journalist covering Florida state. Uh, when I interviewed Matt Nelson, it was really one of the, one of my favorite interviews that I've had and in, in uh, a little over two years of covering Florida state sports. I mean, he really just, you know, a lot to talk about and he really kind of um, gave me a lot to work with. Um, and you've been doing these player features for a couple of years now. I mean, have you had any players that have, that you've really enjoyed chatting with in particular? What's that experience been like for you? Yeah, honestly, most of the guys on this, I mean, honestly, I've, I've never encountered a guy in this baseball team that isn't a good guy to talk to. It's just a good locker room that they've put together. And, you know, it's just it's always been a family atmosphere. And, you know, it's been it's been 11 to me. You know, now we got Tyler and, you know, all those guys just get well, get along well together. And yeah, some of these guys are really interesting to talk to. You, you know, Nelly is Nelly's one of a kind and Nelly will talk for for days if, if you if you let him i mean you he, we had him on i think our first podcast and i talked to him for about 30 minutes um you know chase haney is a guy that is awesome to talk to reese albert is a he's he's really relaxed guy and he's, he's another good guy to talk to so i mean it's just a good it's a it's a team that has a lot of a lot of really good guys in the locker room so any any really anyone you get it's just a good interview that's great to hear and i'm glad it's been you know, pretty good for you on that front. And I know there's been a couple interviews I've done, you know, and maybe I'm not asking the right questions or, or whatever, but it'll be done after like a few minutes. And I'm like, uh, you know, I'm really kind of scrambling here to, you know, get enough to write about and to write an article that I'm happy about. So I'm, I'm glad for baseball. It's just, you know, a, a good group of guys that you can have a, have a pretty good conversation with. Now, I do want to ask you just, you know, from a fan perspective here, I don't know what's been officially put out on this front. Um, do you know what the attendance situation might be like for baseball this year? I mean, will, will there be fans? You know, I'm sure there will be distancing requirements, probably mask requirements. Um, but I, I was wondering if you had heard anything or if there's any kind of winds that had been blowing, so to speak, about what that might be like. Yeah, I've heard that it's going to be um, around right around 1,200 fans, which I thought I think was like 20% or something. I don't remember the exact percentage, but 
It's, it's it, I know it's going to be 1,200 fans, I believe. I want to say season tickets went on sale yesterday. And I believe someone said they sold out pretty quick, which isn't surprising. But uh, they also expect to have student tickets. Uh, I'm pretty sure I saw that on Twitter as well. Okay, so it'll probably be like a do – you, do you think it'll be a, like a football, basketball type of ticketing situation for students? Because, I mean, I, me and my roommate went quite frequently. And I remember, you know, you could just kind of show up. So it was really nice if it's like a Friday night or something, you didn't have a whole lot going on. You could just kind of hop over and watch a baseball game. Really, you know, if the weather's great too, it's a fantastic night. So, but you think it'll be like a reservation-based ticketing system for students? Yeah, that's a good question, actually, because, you know, like f- football and, I mean, uh, softball and baseball are unique where you can just walk up with your ID. So I don't know how they'll do it this year, if they'll just cut it off at some point or you do have to reserve. But, you know, there's a lot of space in those bleachers out there. So I'm guessing they'll, they'll allow a good, a good amount of students in, I would think. That's okay. That's that's definitely good to hear, you know, from a from a student perspective, honestly, because I know my friends and I have definitely had a a heck of a time trying to get uh, basketball student tickets, quite honestly. Um, So now so what I want to ask you, reading about this team and just kind of seeing these guys, you know, for multiple years. Um, it, it, it seems like a fairly balanced team um, and also pretty strong across the board. You've got power bats. You've got definitely, like you said, the talent is definitely there pitching wise. The experience might not be for some of these guys, but then you also have guys like Chase Haney that have been around for quite a while. I think he's coming back for like his sixth season on the roster. Correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but um you know, so it sounds like across the board and then, you know, in the field, you were talking about guys like Robbie Martin and, and whomever that have definitely stepped up their game there. Um, so I just wanted to ask you, you know, what would you say that there's a certain strong point among those different aspects of the game that really sticks out to you? And then also on the flip side of that, is there anything that not necessarily a weakness, but for you, like a question mark? for this team going into 2021. And obviously this is a really um, unique season just with every, you know, all, all the COVID stuff going on. Um, You know, what, what's your, what's your assessment on that? Yeah. The strength, the strengths would be basically power depth on both sides of the ball where FC is going to have a lot of guys this year that can throw 90, I mean, mid nineties and, you know, even some guys that can get up into the high nineties with their fastball, and, uh, you know, that, that bullpen is just going to be really deep and they're going to be able to do a lot of different things with it. And then same with I'm same with the offense where you have power depth, where you guys you got Elijah Cabell, Robbie Martin, I mean, Reese Albert, um, Dylan Simmons, you know, uh, Nelly, Matthew Nelson. All those guys can hit can hit for double digit, double digit homers in a full season. So and then the experience on, on the offensive side is another strength. Uh, the question marks for me would be, you know, left side of the infield defense, um, shortstop and third base. Just, you know, Nander's had his up and downs. But, you know, Nander to me is a guy that has all the tools to do it. It's just he, he's just got it's just got to click for him. and He's got to just find consistency. And, you know, if they can just make if they can just make the routine plays, then they'll be fine. That's all they got to do. And, you know, they don't have to go out of their way to make some big plays and just just let it just let the ball come to them really 
And then another question I would have is um, just just the ability to put the ball in the, the ball and play at the right time. You know, at some point, strikeouts are okay, are okay, but at the same point, strikeouts can't happen at certain times. Uh, you know, last year we left a lot of guys on base just because you know we'd fail to execute with a guy on third base and in less than two outs. And there's just certain situations where you got to get the job done and put the ball in play. And um, I think they'll be better at it this year with the, the second year of Meat's approach of being aggressive at the plate and not getting behind in counts. So I think that will take a step forward. But it, it's definitely a question mark you got to have with this team because there are a lot of guys that are prone to swing and missing. But, you know, I just the, the strengths outweigh the question marks for me to begin the season. And, you know, I'm sure there'll be more strengths to come during the season, but there'll probably also be some more question marks. But it's, it's a, it is a pretty good balanced team, as you said. That's great to hear. And then I have um, – I wanted to ask you, obviously, we got a – you know, our first look at, at meet as a head coach last season, um, obviously not as long as I, I think anybody would have hoped for, um, you know, with the season being cut short. I mean, you know, almost not too far out of the gate with um, COVID. But, you know, would you say, I mean, you've seen quite a bit of Florida State baseball. Um, would you say that there's any, you know, big differences in how he approaches the game as a head coach versus how his father might have, you know, um, or are they pretty similar in their thought process? They're similar in certain they're similar in certain ways, and I think they're both extremely knowledgeable guys. And you see the similarities between – 11 and and meet in the ways that they go about you know a family approach to the whole thing and caring about their players and making sure things are done the right way but you know there's a big difference in tempo with between meet and 11 I mean 11 like to have somewhat of slow practices where it's drills and stuff like that where versus meet it's 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 up tempo stuff it's scrimmages it's facing live pitching it's you got to do it one certain way or you're out of the box it's it's just a and it's just making sure that you're putting pressure on the opponent at all times. That's something they really want to do more now. And it's something that I'll, I think we'll see a lot more this year is them, you know, getting the guys moving on the base pass. Um, you know, they'll, they'll bunt for hits. They probably won't bunt, bunt for sacrifice much, but they'll bunt for hits. They'll, they'll, they'll just put pressure on defenses. I think that you really didn't see late in, in 11's career. And um, you know, there's just some analytical things that, that meat likes to do more um they have like so they have like an analytical chart and stuff like that so there's there's some little things but the biggest thing is is just tempo and and being able to you know out condition your opponent mentally i think yeah okay that that definitely makes sense i definitely my sense from last season was that they definitely seem to kind of push the envelope a little more in, in all aspects of the game so that does make sense, you know, when you kind of explain how 11 might approach the game a little bit differently than Meat would. And when I was reading um, some of your feature pieces, especially the ones that come to mind are uh, about Matt Nelson, about Robbie Martin, um, even about Chase Haney and, and quite a few of the um, FSU pitchers. I was, I was very surprised. Um, could you kind of give, uh, give me like a picture of, you know, what these assistant coaches do. I know Robbie Martin talked about Tyler Holt and the help that 
uh, he was able to give him with his outfield defense. And then um, a lot of these um, pitchers were talking about, wow, the, you know, what Jimmy Belanger brings to the program is, you know, really something. And then even Matt Nelson talked about coach Burleson and, you know, just how he, you know, kind of the strength workouts and stuff that really he helped, he, he thought brought him to the next level. Would you be able to, you know, what, you know, what kind of specific areas are these guys focused on? Obviously, I know uh, Jimmy Belanger would be the pitching coach, but, you know, are there any um, approaches that they bring that, you know, you really think, um, you know, listeners and fans ought to know about? Yeah, so I really like this this staff that that um, Meat hired when he first when he first came in. You know, some were holdovers. T Holt's a holdover. Um, you know, T Holt's kind of an energizer bunny for the whole team. And you know, if you're down by the dugout, he gets those guys going when he needs to. And he still brings that passion of a player and an every a guy that was an everyday starter at Florida State and a start at Florida State. Um, he brings a lot of experience for those guys as well as, as a leader, and he, he knows what needs to be done to win games at Florida State. He knows the pressures of playing at Florida State. Um, he's the outfield coach as well, so he works with those guys individually every day, and he's a guy that's played here, so he knows how to play the walls and stuff like that. So he's a really important part of this staff, even though he's just labeled as a volunteer assistant coach. Um, Jimmy Bellinger was uh, a hire for a meet when he came up a new guy that really no one had never heard of before at Florida state, but he had been at Kentucky, been at Maryland and had a lot of draft picks and, you know, belly's belly's really, he's really flipped this staff around quick and belly's big thing is, you know, he puts the players first and he lets the players do things the way they want to do things. He's not a, he's not a cookie cut cookie cutter type of guy. Um, you know, he lets players kind of build their own formulas to do stuff. And then he just gives su- suggestions, but we saw a lot of guys take big strides forward last year um, just from, you know, their freshman year, the sophomore year or sophomore to juniors. But he's a guy that wants pitchers to have three different pitches and all for strikes and be able to attack the strikes on what, for whatever they have. But, you know, every single pitcher I've talked to has just said how much they love Bellinger and, and what he does, what he brings to the table and how much better he's made them. Uh, Mike Metcalf is the recruiting coordinator and he's kind of the key piece to this whole thing because he'll make the, you know, the future go. He, he pushes the future. He um, is the guy that leads the recruiting. Um, he, he was a former scout for the Giants, so he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's looking for. He also brings in the right kind of kids. He, he only brings in kids that, you know, he trusts and he knows that they're going to fit that family atmosphere. And, you know, college baseball recruiting is different than any other sport. I mean, you got to go out there and you, you got to get guys early. I mean, we're already starting to look at some – 2020 kids here and you know we've got 2024 kids out of oh high school game yet that are committed but it's just something you got to do to stay ahead of the curve in college baseball and you know um, Metcalf also works with the catchers so he, he works one-on-one with Nelly and those guys every day and then you know, uh, meet works one-on-one with the infielders and then yeah Jamie Burleson's the strength coach and he, he's he does a really good job with those guys as well, as well. and you know they all the players rave about what he does um, and we get Florida State has really, really last year, I thought one thing was they looked like a really good condition, really well conditioned team. And I think they'll be even, in even better shape this year. And that's something that meat really wants them to be. That's great to hear. You know, I was just I mean, you know, I, I was that question, you know, I was, I was just really surprised by the, you know, obviously, I know these assistant coaches play a, a substantial role 
But to see, you know, a majority of these players that you had written about say, oh, wow, you know, uh, you know, Coach Bellinger or uh, Coach Holder, you know, whoever it might be, was really just, you know, ex- incredibly helpful at XYZ. Um, it was, was great to hear. And especially from a, a fan's perspective, you know, to think that there's kind of a lot of different voices that are, you know, on, on the same frequency and helping these players improve at different facets of the game. That's that's fantastic to hear. One of the last questions that I've got for you um, is I know there's quite a few new guys coming in this season. Um, would you be able to give me, you know, a little bit of insight into who you think might have a big, you know, breakout season or who you think will take on a big role? Um, and it, it, just who, who you think we ought to look out for? Yeah, so there's two guys. I would say there's two guys offensively um, that ha- have a good chance of starting. One's a freshman, one's a Juco. Um, freshman is Vince Smith from Calvary Christian, which is the same high school as Matthew Nelson. Uh, he's a middle infielder, a kid that's a contact hitter, and he, he's an aggressive kid all, all over the field. So I think he fits what Meat wants them to do. He's a kid that battles of the play, you know, two-strike approach, puts the ball in play. Um, you know, had a really good Garnet and Gold game, three hits. Had a really good fall overall. Every every time I saw him, he put together good at-bats. And he, he's a sure-handed kid on, on, on the diamond as well. And uh, I think he could have a chance to start at second base. Um, Casey Asman's a Juco kid, a left-handed hitter, sweet left-handed swing. First baseman and an outfielder, I think you could see him – fulfill a first base spot a dh spot an outfield spot he's just a kid that um utility kid that could give them a lot of different do a lot of different things for them you know plays a little first base but he he's also a speedster i think he had 10 stolen bases in 27 games last year at juco so he could bring that aggressiveness approach that me wants on the base pass and he's also got some pop in his bat um i've heard he's been hitting well so far um in the spring since they got back and, you know, he had a home run in the Garnet and gold game and he puts together a lot of, a lot of line drives off his bat. Um, pitching wise, obviously of Carson Montgomery, as we talked about earlier, who could, you know, he could start, he could be a back end guy. Uh, he's just, he, he gives you a lot of potential at some point in his four state career. He's going to be a Friday night starter. Um, when that is, I don't know exactly, but, He's got – it's just – he just oozes potential. He oozes athleticism, oozes power on the mound. He's just – he's so much to like when you watch him pitch. But, you know, there's still some refinement in there that any high school to fresh to, to college kid needs. And then there's two lefties that I really like that are freshmen, and that's um, White Crowell is the first one who was a kid from Georgia that in high school he really wasn't a power-thrown kid that was mostly high 80s and – maybe some low nineties, but when he got to Florida state, he's, you know, he, he's 92 to 95 now from, from, you know, a, a, like a low three, four slot. That's going to give guys troubles with, with a good breaking ball, you know, developing a third pitch would go along, uh, uh, developing his change up as that third pitch would go a long way for him. You know, he's another real deep sleeper for the weekend rotation. I think you'll see him get some midweek starts and also be a kid that, it comes in in, in lever, high leverage situations out of the bullpen to get lefties out. And then Ross Dunn is a kid from Utah where you don't get many kids from Utah at Florida state, but yeah. he was, he was committed to Bellinger at Kentucky before Bellinger moved over to Florida state. So he made the switch with him, but he's a big kid workhorse build. I think he'll be a weekend starter in the future. Um, you know, 90, 90 to 94 with the fastball, really good, 
downhill breaker that gives guys troubles righty and lefties and he's a kid that it's just it just looks the body just looks good it just looks like he's got a lot of potential as well you know he, he was executing a lot in the fall so there's a lot of, there's for a class that they didn't have much time to recruit after they all got hired it was a it was a really good transition class and you know I, I think you'll you'll see some of these kids this year break through early that's great to hear. I, I like the, you know, what you say about Ross Dunn. You know, maybe it's maybe it's just that mountain air. I mean, we've seen on the basketball court, Raekwon Evans, who's from Montana, you know, he's really kind of, you know, stepped into a new role here at FSU and really had a great season, I think, to get started. So, I mean, I think that, you know, maybe that will bode well for Ross Dunn here. Um, and so, Brett, any – Anything I didn't ask you or, or uh, failed to mention that, that you think ought to not go unsaid on this podcast? Um, I mean, you mentioned Chase Haney a little bit, but just the those those veteran guys, you know, Jonas Scalaro, Clayton Kwiatkowski, and, uh, and Chase, those veteran guys in the back of the bullpen, you know, there's some new exciting faces, some new exciting power arms, but you know, those those Wiley veterans are still going to be there and they're going to throw a lot of innings and they're going to do a lot of good things for this team on and off the field. And it's just having Chase Haney back. Yeah, I mean, you just you can't say enough words about how important that is to this team. I mean, he is the captain. I mean, he is the guy that all these guys look up to. So, I mean, and then, and then I just think another guy that's back that that is the, the captain on the other side of the ball, Reese Albert. I just think Reese Albert is in for a huge year and you know, he had an injury his sophomore year during that Omaha run that kind of hampered him. He's playing with one shoulder and then it kind of led over into last year. And, you know, he was just starting to find himself. And I think he feels like himself for the first time in two years now. And I just feel like he's in store for, uh, you know, a, a Drew Mendoza junior year type of year where he hits 300 with 15 bombs or something like that. And it's just there's just the, the leaders, the, the veteran leaders on this team, I think, are, are, are really in a bit really in for a big year and hopefully they get sent off in the right way. That'd be great. I know everybody's hoping for just a, a huge season. Obviously last year I think was disappointing for, you know, just about everybody with the way that it was cut so short, but I'm glad that you got, you know, you, you see clear skies ahead for these kind of, you know, Wiley, obviously Haney and these kind of Wiley guys in the back of the bullpen uh, Scoro and, and Kwiatkowski and then yeah Reese Albert if he definitely had that kind of Drew Mendoza type of year I think uh, you know Seminoles fans would be very happy about that scouts would be very happy about that Reese Albert and coaches would certainly be very happy about that that's um that's a big ceiling to set so I'm, I'm glad that you're optimistic on that front and and before we go I just want to ask you about could you tell us a little bit about Sunday Golds you know um your podcast you know, um, when you just explain a little bit about what you're doing on that front. Yeah. So it's, it's me and Ari Masudi. I don't, I don't know if anybody, I mean, Ari is a guy that's been around Florida state for a while. He's a broadcaster, yeah. um, ESPN guy, uh, you know, he loves Tallahassee, knows, knows everything about every sport here. Um, but him and I, we do, uh, you know, we're starting to do weekly here now going into the season, um, you know, we get guy. We trying to get players on every week. Um, probably have a meet interview here soon before the season. And, um, just try to get people as much baseball information as 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 we can because we know, you know, it's it's not it's not the biggest sport here, but I think it's a sport that people are almost the most loyal to here. And 
you know, Florida State baseball fans are some of the best in the country, and we thought it'd be a good idea to get, you know, a baseball dedicated pot out there for Florida State fans because, uh, you know, I think people deserve it. And, you know, we're going to start pumping them out here soon as much as we can. So we were looking, really looking forward to it. That's great to hear. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Just kind of the, you know, I definitely think that baseball fans are an extremely, extremely, extremely committed bunch. You know, I definitely can recall going to those games and, and routinely seeing the same, you know, 40 to 50. You know, obviously there's the the animals of what, Section 11? Section or B, Section I, B. Section B. Okay, I, I'm not sure what the hell I was talking about there. But, um, you know, just a, a very committed group. And I think obviously, you know, Florida State baseball has got a really, really long tradition of excellence. So I think you guys are filling a really, you know, I'm kind of, surprised that that void hadn't been filled previously but I am glad to hear that you know you and and Aria obviously has been around here for quite a while and very knowledgeable about FSU so I, I it sounds like you got you know we got two great guys covering it so Brett thank you so much again for coming on definitely thank you for having me thank you so much and again you can always find uh Brett Nevitt's work online at Tomahawk Nation and with baseball season coming up um, definitely keep an eye out for him and his writing. This has been another episode of Talk and Shop, the official podcast of the FSU and Florida Flambeau. Thank you for tuning in.